right, everybody, another episode of NFL Friday, Week 6 edition, Jackson Heil. Alongside my man, Jimmy Sullivan. Jimmy, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, kind of a slow news week, isn't it? Uh, not, not too much to uh, get into, huh? Oh, man. I, I wish I could laugh more about it, but um, this has been probably the most frustrated I've ever been as a Jets fan um, this week, and there have been some bad ones, but... Yeah, usually we'll have we'd have a Thursday night football segment or a national NFL segment. There's none of that this week. Um and that's saying something because there was some crazy stuff that happened in the news this week, specifically Dak Prescott, which we will get to, but we're talking Jets right away. Um, because that is what this podcast dictates and that's what I'm dictating right now. And Le'Veon Bell released by the New York Jets this week, ends up signing with the Kansas City Chiefs yesterday and that's all besides the fact because as a Jets fan, I'm pissed off right now. I'm, I'm really pissed. I'm just going to be pretty honest with you there. Um, this is an organization that since Adam Gase has gotten there has been tanked into the ground like no other organization I've ever seen. Actually, I, I shouldn't say that because the last time I saw something like this was when Adam Gase was in Miami. So, this is really the second time I've seen anything like this. But we are at the point now where since Adam Gase got here, let's look at the Jets and look at the talent on their roster. They had what was really an up-and-coming defense, I would say, at the time, led by Jamal Adams, who seemed to have at least changed the culture in the locker room. And Adam Gase managed to piss him off enough to demand a trade. You have a guy in Le'Veon Bell who, when he came in here, was arguably the most dynamic running back in the NFL, even coming off a year off. He's the most talented player on the roster as of Monday. And the Jets didn't want him so badly that they chose to release him. Their best player, and the guy who's really the only weapon other than Jameson Crowder, for Sam Donald right now. Adam Gase was so bad at his job, and Adam Gase is so bad that he couldn't find a role for Le'Veon Bell in this offense that they managed to release him, not not trade or not find another home for him elsewhere or not even attempt to give him a role in the offense. They're so content with giving Frank Gore 80 carries a game for three yards that they released Le'Veon Bell. That's a problem. That is a massive problem, and that is a massive red flag, and it's on everyone now. I'm I'm done just blaming Adam Gase for everything. This is on ownership. This is on Christopher Johnson for not stepping in. And, heck, I am a Joe Douglas believer. I've been that way since he got here, but I'm to the point where this is on Joe Douglas now because this is a general manager – who came in here, obviously came into a weird situation, but he came into a very talented situation. And since then, the Jets have gotten rid of arguably their most two talented players. Their supposed franchise quarterback appears to be getting worse. And a large portion of that comes down to the fact that Adam Gase is the worst coach in professional sports right now. This is on Joe Douglas because Joe Douglas has now chosen Adam Gase as the guy to lead the charge over keeping guys like Jamal Adams and Le'Veon Bell. Plain and simple. That's where we're at. And I'm not here to say Le'Veon Bell's tenure as a Jet has been great because it hasn't. It, it's not fair to say that it has because he hasn't performed great, but at the same time he was running behind the worst offensive line in the NFL last year, and now he has the worst play call in the NFL. And at the same time, he had three total targets this year as the best catching back in the NFL. That's a disgrace in itself. So this is now – from top to bottom, I'm blaming everyone. It's time for a complete fire sale in New York. And listen, I'm not saying Joe Douglas isn't the guy for the future, but the longer he keeps Adam Gase around, the more he is enabling this organization to be completely resembled as the worst organization in professional sports right now, because that's what it is. Yeah, you you raised a lot of good points there, Jackson. I want to establish a couple of things here. I don't think... Adam Gase ever really wanted Le'Veon Bell, and I think that's been pretty obvious by his usage, and we see how the Jets have used 
Frank Gore, for example, when Le'Veon Bell was out, right? They are perfectly content to go three and four yards in a cloud of dust with Frank Gore. And even when they're both in the lineup, Frank Gore still gets a good amount of the carry. So I think it's pretty clear that Adam Gase did not want Le'Veon Bell. Now, somebody tweeted this the other day, and forgive me because I don't remember who, but I think we're noticing a pattern here, right? It's not Adam Gase. It's Ryan Tannehill. It's not Adam Gase. It's Jarvis Landry. It's not Adam Gase. It's the offensive line. It's not Adam Gase. It's Jamal Adams. It's not Adam Gase. It's Le'Veon Bell. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you at some point soon, someone is going to say it's not Adam Gase, it's Sam Darnold. And that's just the way it is. Now, the Jets drafted Sam Darnold in 2018. And I think Sam Darnold is so important to this because he was the franchise quarterback, right? He's the guy, you trade it with Indianapolis, you get up, and you draft a guy in Sam Darnold who's going to be your franchise quarterback. Adam Gase was brought in to develop Sam Darnold. Jets fans were promised all of these things by the Johnsons when Adam Gase was hired. Now, I think most astute Jets fans probably did not actually expect a lot of these things, right? But, for example, Adam Gase is a brilliant offensive mind as he runs a third-and-one fullback dive with his tight end. Adam Gase is going to be the guy to shepherd Sam Darnold's development as Sam Darnold has regressed in both years under Adam Gase. It's it's really ridiculous when you look around the league and you look at what other teams are doing with their young quarterbacks, right? Look at the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, they're 1-4, and four, but Justin Herbert looks really good. Like, that kid can sling it. Sam Darnold has a lot of talent. I, I'm a Sam Darnold believer. He's shown a lot of good things over the years, and I'm willing to give him a chance. But look at what other teams are doing with their young quarterbacks. And you realize just how far behind the Jets are. And the locker room, I think, has shut off Adam Gase. There was a press conference the other day. They asked him, oh, did you misuse Le'Veon Bell? And he said, ah, it's irrelevant. It's beside the point. I actually think it's, that quote was. It, it's very much to the point. It's extremely to the point. One, he did use Le'Veon Bell. Okay, that's the answer to that question. But here's the thing. As I look at the Jets, over the last two years, they have three – Pro Bowl caliber players who have played a significant amount of time. I'm not counting C.J. Mosley because he's barely played for the Jets. Robbie Anderson, Jamal Adams, Le'Veon Bell. They're all gone. That, that's the problem with the Jets. And you said some of it falls on Joe Douglas. I think a little bit of it falls on Joe Douglas. But we were talking before the show. This is what happens when you hire a coach in January of 2019 and Adam Gase. The coach pulls off a coup d'etat, basically, to fire the GM, Mike McCagden, in May, who I think we can agree, I, I, in retrospect, was not very good. Then in June, they hire Joe Douglas. So this roster is still largely not a construction of Joe Douglas. Now, that's bound to happen, but you have such a dysfunctional organization from top to bottom, and Adam Gase is so clearly not the man for the job because look at all of the players who have gotten out of the Gase cocoon and been better. And we're going to see that Le'Veon Bell is on the Chiefs now. He's going to perform in that offense because they have so much talent in that offense. He's a versatile chess piece for them. And, you know, Jamal Adams is in Seattle now. Robbie Anderson is putting up numbers in Carolina. So the the common denominator at the end of the day is the Jets. And the Jets had their options at head coach. They could have gone with Matt Rule, could have gone with Eric Bieniemy. They went with Adam Gase, and it's going to set the franchise back for years, particularly if Sam Darnold either checks out or, you know, gets traded, which I've seen kicked around, which I don't know is going to happen necessarily, but it's not off the table. So a lot of problems with the Jets right now, Jackson, and – a lot of it, I think, goes back to the false promises the Jets fans were given when Adam Gase came in, none of which he has fulfilled because, to be quite frank with you, you and I both agree, he is a terrible head coach. He's the worst coach in professional sports, hands down, right now. And I'm, At least I'm in willing America, to say yeah. that. I'm willing to say that without hesitation because I, I've never seen an organization be run into the ground so quickly than what Adam Gase is doing to the New York Jets. And I, I want to address something because the media has been completely ridiculous in how they're treating Le'Veon Bell. And I've seen way too many people saying 
hey, he doesn't want to be here, then just let him go. Well, let's hold up for a second. You are the probably most talented running back in the NFL. You're a guy who should be getting 20 carries a game. You're a guy who should be targeted at least five to six times a game as the best receiving back in the NFL at bare minimum. And instead, a 37-year-old Frank Gore is getting 8,000 carries a game and is essentially the main piece of the offense when he hasn't been productive at all. Why the hell would Le'Veon Bell want to be here? I, I, I can't find a reason for him to want to be here considering this team sucks. Um, he's got the worst play caller in the NFL right now in Adam Gase. Dow Loggins is just terrible, too, on top of this. Why would Le'Veon Bell want to be here? I, I don't blame him for a second. If I was him, I'd be running for the hills. I Hey, I probably would have pulled an Antonio Brown and just not showed up and just would have not done that until they released me because that that's how bad it's gotten. And with Adam Gase, we mentioned it, that it's not Adam Gase, it's Ryan Tannehill. We did that entire thing. Adam Gase seems to be allergic to talented players. Like, And I mean, like, seriously, like, I've never seen anything like this. He wants no part of anyone who is good at the skill positions. I mean, we, we mentioned it in Miami, like, you go around. Ryan Tannehill looks like an MVP candidate. Devontae Parker and Mike Jasicki have been tremendous in Miami this year. Kenyon Drake hasn't had a terrific season, but he's still – Plenty talented, too. And like you mentioned, look at all the guys who have left from the Jets alone. I mean, Jamal Adams has been terrific in Seattle up until he got hurt. Robbie Anderson looks like a number one receiver, far more than what Brashad Perriman looks like right now. And listen, it's hard to blame Brashad Perriman. Heck, it's hard to blame any skill position player who plays for the New York Jets and Adam Gase right now because he sucks at his job. So I'm of the opinion right now that if – Adam Gase remains with the Jets any longer. It doesn't get to a point where it's on Adam Gase anymore because he's the one that's being enabled to do all this crap. At some point, Joe Douglas has to grow some balls and do what is right for this organization because as long as they keep Gase here and as long as Gase continues to have control of what happens personnel-wise, this organization is going to go even further into the ground and Honestly, Jimmy, I don't know how it gets any further right now, but I'm pretty scared to see what happens. And I think the only way that this gets any worse is that Sam Darnold finds a home somewhere else and becomes a superstar. And honestly, I can really see that happening at this point because he's shown flashes of being hella talented. He really has. And every time this offense goes out and does something, you just look and you're like, yeah, like, Darnold hasn't looked great, but, like, what the hell is this offense doing? What the hell is the play calling that's going on on a play-by-play basis? It's it's just a joke. It's another joke. This organization sucks, and, oh, man, I am, I'm really frustrated. And and the fact that it's, it's not even that Le'Veon Bell has been good with the Jets. This is just kind of the tip of the iceberg for me at this point because I'm, I'm – done I'm finished with Adam Gase and I'm not one who is willing to give up my fandom to go root for another team but I wouldn't blame a single Jets fan for dropping their Jets fandom until Adam Gase is gone I I really wouldn't because this guy is doing everything he can to ruin this organization you were talking about the play calling before I just want to shout out because it's been a crazy news cycle for the Jets this week a very underrated story was Adam Gase publicly test driving the idea of giving up the play calling duties and then coming back and saying that the staff had decided that he would be the best guy to do it. Like there's anyone on that staff who's capable of oh calling God. plays at a high level in the NFL. It's just not happening. And it's not even know, a high level. It's like no. it's like a mediocre baseline or like to terrible level. You could be a terrible play caller, you'd still be better than Adam Gase. That's how bad it is. This guy went, ran a wheel route for Frank Gore in the red zone I mean, a couple of weeks ago in the Thursday night game against Denver. It, it's, it's crazy, but you talk about talented players, right? Whether it's Robbie Anderson, Le'Veon Bell, whoever else it may be in Adam Gase's time in the NFL. And, and I think there's a certain – I've observed this with Adam Gase that – you know, the people around him say, right, he's a brilliant offensive mind, which is BS, obviously. But I think there's a certain ego here where Adam Gase almost feels like, hey, I'm smarter than 
having good players, just relying on them to make plays. Because I think the best coaches in the league adapt their scheme to the player, not the other way around. I think, especially in the modern NFL, I believe that's true. And, you know, there are some, you know, at the quarterback position, for example, where it's not even necessarily a matter of scheme. Like, you could put Aaron Rodgers in any offense, basically, and he'd be solid because he's Aaron Rodgers. But when you look at the Jets, Adam Gase is, I feel like, and I could be wrong on this because I'm not in the building, I feel like with Adam Gase, he's saying, you know what, I am so smart, I am so brilliant, I can plug anyone into this offense, and we can succeed. And I think you and I both thought this year the Jets were probably going to be pretty bad, right? The Jets were not expected to be a playoff team by any estimation. Nobody was saying that. But when you have bad teams in the middle of a rebuild, then the Jets have been rebuilding for 10 years, let's just be frank about that, you're looking for vital signs, right? How competitive are they? How hard are they playing? I look at a team like the Giants, who have the same record as the Jets. They're nowhere near as bad as the Jets. Well, I mean, we'll get into them a little bit later. And they're bad, too. They're bad, <laughs> they are bad. but they play hard. They're competitive. You know, they, they do the things you want to see in the middle of a rebuild. The Jets have not been competitive. I mean, they've lost. They, they have not, to this point in the season, played a one-score game. They, they have not been competitive. I mean, the best chance was against Denver, and they had six personal fouls or whatever the final number was in that game. It's it's a total failure on the Jets' part, and I don't mean to be dark here, but let's just remember that Joe Douglas is the GM right now because of Adam Gase. And I have to imagine even if the Jets you know, spiral even further out of control than they are right now. I have to imagine that deep in the back of his mind, Joe Douglas probably feels some kind of loyalty to Adam Gase. Because Joe Douglas is going to be here, okay? You can think whatever you want about the guy. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be with the Jets for the next few years at least. Adam Gase, different story. But – with what the owners have said about him publicly, with factoring in the very reason why Joe Douglas is here in the first place, I don't think it's unfathomable to think not only that Adam Gase gets the rest of the season, but, you know, who's to say that the Jets are, are going to, as you said, grow some intestinal fortitude and let him go? Because look at the other teams around the league, right? Texans cut bait with Bill O'Brien after a winless start. The Falcons this week cut bait with Dan Quinn after a, a winless start. And those guys have far more, maybe not in Bill O'Brien's case, but they have more qualification to be in those roles than Adam Gase does. So I don't know what gives here, but I don't think it's preposterous to sit here and say that Adam Gase will get the rest of the season. Because I, I just don't, I don't see that happening. With the Jets. And again, I don't mean to to depress here. I don't mean to make Jets fans lose all hope. But the fact of the matter is when you think about it that way, there's a chance. There's a chance. And you look at the way this team finished the season last year, that was a big justification for bringing Adam Gase back. And I'm not saying that's in sight this year because this team is horrible. But it's not crazy to think that he'll get another crack at it. It's not. It's just not. You've depressed me. Yeah, I thinking have. about that. I know. I'm sorry. It wasn't my intent, but I think it has uh, to. It has to be put on the record. You're so not wrong, too. It's just so much pain. It's like I can't even believe it, and I don't want to spend the entire show on this, which we easily could, because I have so much more to say, and I still will say a few things, but um. I want to start with that Le'Veon press conference real quick in terms of my next point. The fact that he said it's really irrelevant at this point, the fact that he had that arrogant smug just pisses me off, man. It really does because what the hell does Adam Gase have to be arrogant about? What is What has he accomplished in this league as a head coach? Nothing. The answer is nothing. And you look at – what this offense has done 
since Adam Gates has gotten here? The same answer, it's nothing. Like, what could he possibly have to be arrogant about and feel like a brilliant offensive coach about? He's accomplished nothing, and he's managed to make Le'Veon Bell a free agent. And he managed to let the arguably the most talented running back in the NFL basically won out because he's not getting any touches. How does Le'Veon Bell manage three targets this season? He's the best catching back in the entire NFL. It's an utter disgrace to me that what Adam Gase has done to this Jets offense. And, oh, man, it's it's really frustrating. It is really frustrating because everyone sees it. Like, it's not just it's not just us. It's every Jets fan who has watched a single game. You don't even have to watch the whole season. All you have to do is watch a single game from the last two years to know that this guy is clueless. And I feel real bad for Sam Darnold. I I really do. Because he he started with Jeremy Bates and Todd Bowles and managed to take a step down. That's nearly impossible. I don't know how you get worse than Jeremy Bates and Todd Bowles, but my God, he managed to drop about 18 tiers lower than that. You're talking about, and it's funny, you're talking about Adam Gase as a head coach, how he has nothing to be arrogant about. As a coordinator, when he didn't have Peyton Manning, he's never he's never run a good offense. So the mm-hmm. thing is, if the Jets are reasonable here and let him go, who's putting him in charge of their offense? I wouldn't. But what's he gonna What's he gonna be? Is he gonna be a position coach somewhere? Like this guy has no fallback other other than to be the head coach of the Jets. Anything that's where he's at right nuts, now. Nuts, nuts to hire him in any capacity. I, I don't care. I don't care what team and what position and how desperate they are. If you hire Adam Gase, you are immediately doing something wrong. You have failed as an organization if you hire Adam Gase to do anything. I don't care if it's to be a ball boy. You have failed in that capacity. Oh, man. And like you said, outside of Peyton Manning, he hasn't done anything. He hasn't done anything his entire career. And I want to talk about a point you mentioned moments ago that saying that Joe Douglas probably has a sense of loyalty towards Adam Gase. Um, if he does, then he's not doing his job because he's given preferential treatment to a guy that's completely tanking this organization. And honestly, the thing that sucks to me is I can't tell how much of Adam Gase is influencing Joe Douglas right now or how much Joe Douglas has the same train of thought as Adam Gase. Because I, I really have no way to judge this right now because I like Joe Douglas personally. I think he's going to be a fine general manager in this league someday. And I think the minute he gets away from Adam Gase is when we can start to judge. But at the same time, if he keeps Adam Gase around for more than honestly another day, every day that goes by another red flag goes up about Joe Douglas, in my opinion. And I hate saying that because I, I believe in this guy's talent. You look at the resume for Joe Douglas. He was terrific in Baltimore. He was great in Philadelphia and was an integral part of building that Super Bowl team. But if he continues to stick with Adam Gase because of loyalty or whatever crap it is, he, he deserves just as just much criticism as Adam Gase is getting because he's enabling Adam Gase to do this. Yeah, And that's and where I'm at with the New York Jets. I, I do really believe that if you had a, a competent head coach, with the, which the Jets don't have, with the contract Le'Veon Bell has, I do believe Joe Douglas would have taken calls. Um, they couldn't – a large part of the reason why they couldn't uh, trade him, allegedly, was that they were not getting enough value, Right. We had heard things about, you know, mid-round draft pick, then it was a late-round draft pick, and then teams weren't even calling about that. And it was a little alarming watching the Jets, like a bad fantasy football owner, go from, okay, we'll do it one for one. And they're like, oh, I'll, I'll give you somebody of worse value. And that's like, all right, screw it. We're just going to release him. You can pick him up on the waiver wire. Like, that's what the Jets did here. It, it's – this This was, I, I think – Something of a mishandling by Joe Douglas. He's not wrong to take calls, obviously, because I, I don't believe that's an issue. But I will say, 
this is a great professional outcome for Le'Veon Bell. He gets out. Oh he goes God. to the Chiefs, who will use him correctly. He's not even going to be the starting running back necessarily in Kansas City. Uh, doesn't look like he's going to play this week just because of the COVID protocols. He'll be worked into the offense for next week. And the game I'm looking forward to is Jets-Chiefs on November 1st. I look forward to that being very competitive. But, yeah, I, I just think there's a, a roster extremely bereft of talent. And Joe Douglas, look, we can talk about him being good for the future, and I do believe that. He chose Ryan Griffin over Robbie Anderson. Like, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. that was him. Uh, and what has Ryan Griffin done? So I, you you look at it that way and you're like, well, maybe maybe this is maybe we need to push pause on this guy a little bit. Uh, and I'm not saying he's bad. He had a great draft, I thought, but some of the um, free agent personnel decisions, eh, maybe not. Bashad Perriman yep. has not done anything. He's barely played. Uh, Frank Frank Gore looks okay, but he's just being beaten into the ground. So yeah, it's it's bad. Uh, there's no hope. Uh, unless, unless they get rid of Adam Gase. Because Adam Gase just seems like such a toxic human being at this point that mm-hmm. he should not be around your organization. He should come with one of those things they have on the back of trucks that's like hazardous material, don't follow too closely. That's what Adam Gase should come with at this point. He's been that bad as an NFL head coach. They will be the closest thing to a Super Bowl parade in New York when Adam Gase is fired. That's that's what I think should happen, honestly, because that would be the best thing to happen to this Jets organization really since they went to the AFC Championship game in 2010 um, because that's how bad Adam Gase is. I, I want to move on, but last thing quickly. You mentioned it. I think it's November 1st, Chiefs-Jets. Um, I hope Le'Veon Bell runs for 800 yards that day. I really do. I hope he does everything in his power to just shove it right in Adam Gase's face. What a mistake he made by not using him. I hope he runs for 800 yards. I hope he catches for 500 too. I hope he does everything in his power to really just shove it right in the Jets' face because everyone in that organization deserves it. Everyone. Besides maybe Sam Donald. I feel, I feel for him. But everyone in this organization needs to take a look in the mirror and say, what the hell are we doing? Because right now, this is this is a tragedy. This is a real tragedy, what this organization is doing and what Christopher Johnson, what Woody Johnson, and what Joe Douglas are letting Adam Gase do. It's a disgrace. No other way to put it. And that wraps up our depression talk for today. I need to I charge 75 out. an hour. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that's where we're at this point, and um, we'll do a quick giant segment before we get our pickums, but um, quickly want to just send some prayers out to Dak Prescott after what happened this past Sunday. Um, that sucked. I mean, you just watching that, you knew right away it was ugly. Even before they zoomed in, you could just see his leg was all messed up, and I don't want to get too into it, but wishing him a speedy recovery. And moving on to the Giants in that regard, I was pretty impressed with the Giants this past weekend. And I, honestly, I've been pretty impressed with the Giants two of these last three weeks. I mean, you look at their performance on the road in Los Angeles against the Rams. They're in that game to the very end. One Daniel Jones mistake cost them. You look at last weekend, they're up by seven in the fourth quarter. I mean, this is a team that's played some tough teams late into games. And listen, this is a roster that doesn't have a ton of talent and is already missing Saquon Barkley for the rest of the year. But the Giants serve a lot of credit, I think, for the fight they're putting up. Like you said, yeah, they're 0-5, but they've had a tough schedule themselves to come out and start the year. And, yes, they're pinned a few games where things have looked ugly, but this Giants team competes every single game. And they look like at least they have a coach that inspires some confidence in Joe Judge. So credit to the Giants for that. Credit to them for fighting every week. And I, I think they just beat, they almost beat a Dallas team that I still think wins the NFC East, even with Andy Dalton at quarterback. So I think the Giants deserve some credit, Jimmy. I really do. I do think so, too. And, and if you look at their schedule, if you take out the San Francisco game where they got blown out, they've lost four games by 25 points. So it's, it's they've been extremely competitive 
the the issue for them, they haven't really put together a complete game yet, right? They they go to L.A., their defense plays really well. Daniel Jones does not. They wind up losing that game 17-9. And then last week, their offense looked really good. They stalled out a couple times in opposing territory, but they looked solid. Mm-hmm. Defense left something to be desired in that game. But, look, I, there's stuff to build on here for sure. Just in the way they've played for Joe Judge, they've bought in to whatever exactly it is you, you buy into in that locker room. They're playing Washington this week. They've got an opportunity for a win. Um, and, yeah, they do deserve some credit because I think they'll run into four, maybe five wins by the end of the season. I think that's a fair estimation for them. Uh, there's things they do need to see from Daniel Jones. He needs to you know, not be a turnover machine, but he, he played well last week. And you want to build on that as we get to the second half of the season. But, you know, the fight they've shown, the, the close games they've played for the most part, I, I think commends some growth out of this roster. They played the Steelers week one. They're undefeated. They were 10 yards away from beating the Bears, who right now are 4-1. and one. They played the Rams really well. They played the leading team in the NFC East really well. And you could take that away from the Cowboys however you want. But it's, it's still a first-place team in Texas. That, that's a big game. It's a game that most of the country saw nationally. So, yeah, I do think they deserve some credit here. And, frankly, I also do think, after what we just talked about, the bar is probably a little low for oh, the Giants. Sure. <laughs> but... Hey, give credit where credit's due. We're not giving a lot of credit in New York to football right now. So give Joe Judge, give the Giants some credit. And uh, we'll we'll talk about this in the pick segment, but I like their chances going into this week against Washington and a backup quarterback. Oh, man, that might be the worst football game in America (laughs) in a long time. I mean, Giants versus the football team. Um, Yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, we'll see who's that quarterback for the Washington football team. But – might be Alex Smith, which was cool to see him back on a field last week. I'll tell you that because, man, I don't know how many of you guys and our listeners and even Jimmy, have you seen the E60 on yes, Alex Smith? Very, it's oh my God. a little gross at times, obviously, but it's very it's very good. It's incredible um, to see where that guy was and now the fact that he was playing in an NFL game last week is nothing short of remarkable. So, um I don't even care how he plays. I just hope he stays healthy for his sake. That's my only wish for Alex Smith. So Yeah, I'm holding my um, breath every time he goes out there. I don't know about you, but I, I see him with that big brace, and I'm like, oh, don't get hit, don't get hit, don't get hit. Dude, his leg is still like – his. Le- I, I forget what it was. It his left leg, his right yeah. leg. I, yeah. His left leg is like – I don't even it, – it doesn't look like a leg. Like it's – he's got muscle and bones from all different parts of his leg down there, and – the fact that he's an NFL quarterback right now is is incredible. It's heroic, honestly. It, it really is. So that should be fun to watch potentially this weekend. Fun might be the wrong word, but I think interesting um, to see who is the worst of the worst in the NFC. And honestly, like, it's crazy to think that the fact that if the football team finds a way to win – they're, they might be in first place. That, that's how bad it's gone with that NFC East, with the Eagles being a disaster and the Giants being a disaster and the Cowboys without their starting quarterback the rest of the year. So that's where we're at with the Giants. Not really a whole lot to talk about this week. Obviously, a lot of our time was dedicated to the Jets and the disaster that they continue to be. So that'll wrap it up for our Jets and Giants segments. Our favorite segment of the week Coming up right now, and it's time for some pick'ems. So let's get it started, Jimmy. Um, another interesting game, personally, that I think is going to be happening in Nashville. Texans-Titans. Titans, a big Tuesday night performance. Um, being the then-undefeated Bills. Texans finally get a win without Bill O'Brien in charge. I'm going with the upset here. I, I like the Texans. I, I, I liked what I saw from them offensively. Deshaun Watson finally looks like he's in an offense where he can move the ball down fields on numerous occasions. I like this Texas team. I think this is a letdown game for Tennessee coming off a short week as well. 
I also think you're right to say this game will be close. It's a short week, as you said. Uh, it's, you know, residue of the firing of Bill O'Brien. Teams always come out a little harder after a coach gets fired. I love Tennessee. You, you know that. And uh, I'm, I'm going to roll with the Titans. I think it'll be a close one, but Ryan Tannehill's playing the best football of his career. This offense seems to be clicking on all cylinders, which is a welcome development for them. They accompany that with a really good defense. Uh, I think Houston will make it close, but ultimately I think Tennessee stays undefeated. So we're disagreeing already. We'd love to see that. And made possible some disagreement here. Bengals, Colts in Indianapolis. Colts coming off a loss to the Browns, who look quite good as well right now. Bengals off a blowout against the Ravens. I'm going to keep it simple here. I think the Colts are the better team. I like their defense, and as much as I like Joe Burrow, I think this is the exact type of defense that will give him problems. So I'm rolling with the Colts in this one to go to form too. Yeah, and I think we also should note uh, the Colts had several positive tests this morning. We're recording this on Friday afternoon. Uh, those have since come back somehow as four of them all being false. Hopefully that continues to be the case. I also like Indy. Love what they're doing this year uh, with Phillip Rivers. And uh, they've got, you know, a solid running game, good offensive line. Uh, Bengals just are not there yet. I hate to say it. Uh, this will be another learning experience for Joe Burrow. And I think the Colts get the win and go to Porton, too. Talk about an ugly game. We got another one here. Falcons-Vikings. One combined win between these two teams. Two teams that were tremendously talented and were expected to do relatively big things this year, but... I'm rolling with the Falcons. First game with that, Dan Quinn. Um, there's insanity, and then there's betting on the Falcons, and I can't believe I'm doing it again. But I'm, I'm riding the Falcons. No Dalvin Cook in all likelihood for the Vikings this week. Um, they're coming off a tough loss on the road against Seattle, a game that they had in the bag, a game that if they kick a field goal instead of going for it late, they probably end up winning. But I'm going with the Falcons. I think they get win number one. Matt Ryan's got to be real happy that he doesn't have to deal with Dan Quinn anymore, and I, I think that'll show in this one. That Sunday night game was insane. I think my fantasy team, I had Thielen and Metcalf. I think I got like 40 points combined just <laughs> in the fourth quarter, just with all the insanity that happened. I'm not trying to brag because I, I think I was playing you. But, uh, you were. You smoked me this week. I know. I'm sorry. Impressive. I'm sorry. Um, we got a fire coach game on our hands here, and I'm going to take the Falcons as well. I think they're going to come out hard. A letdown for the Vikings after Sunday night. As you said, no Dalvin Cook. The thought of relying on Kirk Cousins offensively just makes me shudder. So give me Atlanta. Kirk Cousins might be the worst quarterback in the NFL right now. And I think, to be honest, I don't think Minnesota's going anywhere this year. And anywhere as long as he's at quarterback. So we're both rolling with Atlanta there. Interesting one in Foxborough. Broncos, Pats. Looks like Cam Newton's finally back for New England, and with that, I'm taking New England in a blowout at home. I mean, this team has looked really good with Cam at quarterback, and who knows who's playing quarterback for the Broncos at this point. I'm rolling with New England. Yeah, right now it looks like it's probably going to be Drew Locke. That's obviously subject to change. I think it's a very different game if you have Drew Locke as opposed to Brett Ripley out there. Um, I'm going to bet on this being close with Drew Locke. I would probably take Denver to cover. I haven't seen the line. I'm going to take New England in a close one, though. I'll keep it close just because I don't know exactly which Cam Newton I'm going to get with a couple weeks off of practice being on the COVID reserve list. But I think New England wins. Pats are minus nine right now at home. so I think it'll be a one-score like game. You'd lean Denver in that regard. So true Locke is healthy. Like you said, I think if Locke is healthy, I think it's an interesting game for sure. I'm just questioning whether he will be on the field at this point. But anyways, we're both rolling with New England there, and – now we get to the game of the hour, the football team and the New York Giants. Someone's got to win this one. I've picked one tie in my career on NFL Friday. I picked a tie between the Dolphins and the Browns. I believe it was – no, it might not even be the Browns. I don't even remember who it was, but I picked a tie in a game that the Dolphins were playing. I don't think this one ends in a tie. I, I like the Giants. I, I think the Giants come out. They've looked good. Yes, they've played down to competition at times, but the only real dud that they've dropped this year was against the 49ers at home. Um, they've been competitive in every game. Washington hasn't, and for that reason, I'm well with the Giants. I'm also going to take the Giants. As you said, they're going to get their first one eventually. They've been banging down the door. Uh, Washington, what they're doing to Dwayne Haskins at a developmental level is absolutely reprehensible. 
Uh, they should not be allowed to do that. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to take the Giants. Similar to what the Jets are going through with Sam Darnold, but um, rep- reprehensible to say the least. Ravens and Eagles in Philadelphia. Uh, I'm rolling with Baltimore. They look really good. Other than the Monday night dud against Kansas City, I mean, there's a reason Lamar Jackson has one regular season loss other than the Kansas City Chiefs right now, and I think it remains one. I don't believe in the Eagles. Carson Wentz has looked quite bad, um, to put it frankly. Um, I'm rolling with the Ravens in this one. So this is an interesting game. Lamar Jackson on the low did not play great last week, but they were playing the Bengals, so it didn't really matter. The Eagles are desperate. Doug Peterson's coaching for his job. I don't know. I got a weird feeling about this game. Give me Philadelphia. Interesting. All right, so we got our first real upset from Jimmy there. Um, And we got an interesting game right after this in Pittsburgh. Browns-Steelers, two teams atop the AFC North. How strong the AFC North is this year. Ravens, Browns, Steelers all look terrific in the early going. And I like Cleveland to win this one on the road. No Nick Chubb, unfortunately, but that's why you have Kareem Hunt in the fold. He's been terrific in that offense behind him, and now he takes on that lead rushing role. It's not the offense that does it for me. I think that Miles Garrett, honestly, is the defensive player of the year right now. Maybe other than Aaron Donald, it's between those two for me right now and T.J. Watt. I like the Browns in this one. I think they're going to do just enough offensively, and I don't know if the Steelers can score enough points in this one against this Browns defense, which is terrific in all facets. I like the Browns to go on the road and be in a tie for first place after this one. The Steelers are – I don't know how to assess the Steelers. Like, they're 4-0, but I don't know whether to believe in them or not. Ben Roethlisberger is not the guy he was even a couple of years ago. Uh, the Browns have looked good. I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm also going to take Cleveland. I, 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 This is one of those I look at and I say, this is the game I will regret later that I took the Browns because <laughs> <laughs> it's just the classic Cleveland letdown game where they lose by 20. Yeah, I'm going to take Cleveland. Uh, I'm going to hitch my wagons to Baker Mayfield, and I will deal with the punishment if it comes. Here's what I'll say about the Browns. There have been a few games already that you could have point, pointed to on the schedule and say, this is the letdown game. They've passed pretty much every test so far, other than week one against Baltimore, where they got the doors blown off. Um, they passed pretty much every test. So I'm going to roll with Cleveland again. Two surprise teams in this one, Bears and Panthers. This one in Charlotte. Panthers haven't lost since Christian McCaffrey got hurt, which is pretty remarkable and a pretty great accomplishment. Matt Rule doing great things with Teddy Bridgewater. I like the Panthers in this one. I don't believe a ton in the Bears. Love their defense. Their defense is terrific, and what they did to the Bucks and Tom Brady last Thursday was excellent, but I think Teddy Bridgewater looks like a completely different quarterback, even when he was at his best in Minnesota. Um, I love what this Panthers offense is doing. I love their downfield ability, especially with Robbie Anderson, former Jet there. I like the Panthers to take this one at home. Also, a shout-out Mike Davis, who's been one of the best running backs yeah. in football since he took over that spot. And we'll see what his role exactly is in that offense whenever McCaffrey comes back. I'm also going to take Carolina. I, the Bears are so weird because they have at least two wins right now that they should not have. Uh, they're 4-1. and one. All their games are close. I can't – they're another team like the Steelers. It's hard to draw coherent conclusions from them. I mean, last week they won partially because Tom Brady thought it was third down when it was fourth. So uh, I'm also going to take Carolina. I love what Matt Rule's doing down there. Uh, uh, my biggest regret is that I wanted to pull the trigger on them as a playoff team this year, and I just couldn't because I didn't think their roster was there. But Matt Rule's doing an awesome job down there, um, kind of like we all predicted, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, – the Jets will, I think, forever regret not hiring him. But Panthers went over the Bears this week. Wherever he's been, he's been terrific. Temple, Baylor, now in the NFL. He's got the Panthers at 3-2, and two, and I think he puts them 2-4-2. and two. A dud to wrap out the 1 o'clock slate. Lions and Jaguars in Jacksonville. I like the Lions in this one. Um, pretty ugly game, but Lions have had some leads where if one or two things go their way... This is a Lions team that could easily be 3-1 and one or perhaps 4-0 and oh if they could hold on to a lead, but obviously they haven't. Things have gone wrong down the stretch, largely because of what they're doing to themselves, but I just think they're a better team than the Jaguars, and I like them to win on the road. 
So we were talking before. We both agree Adam Gase is the worst coach in football. I think Matt next Patricia. in the line. I think next in the line of succession is Matt Patricia. I really believe that. And um, you know the Jaguars have not played well, but Gardner Minshew has had a couple of good weeks here. I'm going to take Jacksonville at home. Uh, I, I think this is a game that could go either way. Uh, if the Lions win this game, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, theoretically, they have more talent, but um, bad coaching can wash out a lot of talent. And I'm going to take the Jaguars in a probably slight upset to defeat the Lions. Only two 4 o'clock games this week, and one of them involves the New York Jets in Miami to take on the Dolphins. I think we're all rolling with the Dolphins on this one, and I will be picking against the Jets until Adam Gase is finished in New York. So I'm rolling with the Dolphins on this one. I think they cover two. It's a nine and a half point spread right now. I could see this game blowing open to at least a 24 or 25 point Dolphins win. So I'm rolling with the Fins in this one. You know, fun fact, the Dolphins can legally have a full stadium right now, uh, which is neither here nor there. But whether it's zero or 60,000 people, Dolphins by a lot. So we're both rolling with Miami in that one. Final 4 o'clock game. A good one down in Tampa as well. Packers and Buccaneers. Bucks coming off a tough loss in Chicago on Thursday night. So they have the long week. They're at 3-2. and two. Packers at 4-0. and oh, And it looks like no one can stop them um, offensively. They just continue to put up points. Aaron Rodgers, maybe the MVP of the league right now. Either him or Russell Wilson, it looks like. Um, I'm rolling with the Packers. I, as good as Tampa's defense is, I don't believe in Tampa's offense to score many points. I think Brady's washed. I think this Tampa Bay offense just isn't very good. And honestly, if they don't have the run game, they're not going to do much. And I'm rolling with the Packers because of that. I think a lot of this depends on the weapons for Tampa Bay. There's questions about Mike Evans. There's questions about Chris Godwin. As of right now, I think at least Evans, if not both, are, are supposed to play. Packers are coming off a bye. Aaron Rodgers looks incredible on just this scorched earth mission, partially directed at his own front office, which is pretty funny. I'm going to take Tampa Bay. I think if everybody's healthy, we've seen both ends of Brady and Tampa Bay, right? We've seen the bad, whether they were playing the Saints or the Bears. And, you know, meanwhile, in a game against, say, the Chargers, he looks unbelievable, right? Throws for five touchdowns, marching them down the field, looking like a field general. That's just what it's probably going to be at 43 years old. We don't know week to week which Tom Brady we're going to get. I think we get the good Tom Brady this week, and I think they pull the upset. Interesting. So we got the Bucks and the Packers, a split decision for me and Jimmy. Sunday night football, Rams and Niners, this one in Santa Clara. Weird line, Rams come out as minus three, and it's a little fishy to me because, honestly, I would take the Rams by two scores, I think, under normal circumstances, considering the fact that I don't know who the hell is playing quarterback for San Francisco. Jimmy G yanked last week. Um, it's pretty clear that Nick Mullins isn't the guy. Is C.J. Beathard the guy at quarterback right now for the 49ers? I have no idea, and that's why I'm taking the Rams in this one. I think I have to take the Rams, too, uh, maybe a little begrudgingly. But it, Kyle Shanahan last week was talking about pulling Jimmy Garoppolo, and he said that it was to protect him. I, I don't know exactly what that means. Like, if you were protecting him, why would you play him in the first place? Because obviously he did not look like himself. Um, so we'll see what winds up happening at, at the quarterback position. But as you said, I think with all of that uncertainty, and, and we've seen a couple of consecutive weeks of bad quarterback play from the 49ers, whoever it is, I think I have to take the Rams as well. Two Monday Night Football games to wrap up our pick'em segment. Chiefs, Bills, a 5 o'clock start at Orchard Park. This is probably the game of the week um, in terms of two teams that are really good but in different ways for me. Um, Bills coming off a tough loss. I I like the Chiefs on the road. Um, I I think that offensively their downfield ability is going to be too much in this game, even with how good Tredavious White is. He's going to shut off someone, but the Chiefs just have so many weapons offensively and even with how good Josh Allen has looked this week, I think we saw a little bit last week that there are ways to stop him and there are ways to stop this offense. I think the Bills are still a playoff team for sure, and I still think they win the AFC East. 
but I think the Chiefs win this one. I think the Chiefs are... I hate saying things like this. I think the Chiefs are almost too good to lose two straight. I know that might be terrible logic, but they've got so many weapons. They're so talented. They're going on the road. As a person who likes going to bed, I love this 5 o'clock start, but give me the Chiefs. I think they go ahead and get the win in this one. Finally, Cardinals-Cowboys in Jerry World, 8-15 start on Monday night to wrap up the week. Like we mentioned, Andy Dalton, the Red Rocket, in at quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. I'd love there to be a lot of points in this game, to be honest. And I think I'm rolling with Dallas. Um, no Chandler Jones is a big, big miss um, for this Cardinals defense because it's not very good to begin with, and they just lost one of the best pass rushers in the entire NFL on top. And I think if Dalton has time and they can establish the running game early, they're going to score a lot of points in this one. Um, and for that reason, I'm rolling with Dallas. So Arizona is a team I really liked coming into the season, had them as a playoff team. And for a young team like this, a game like this is a big developmental step. Because I personally think, even without Chandler Jones, you're going up against a backup quarterback. I think it's probably a game you should win with all the offensive weapons Arizona has. So this is a big litmus test for Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray and that Cardinals team. And I think they're going to pass. I'm going to take the Cardinals. I think Andy Dalton can be serviceable in relief. But that offense is never going to be what it was with Dak Prescott at the helm. He was putting up unbelievable numbers each week. We'll see if they lean more on Ezekiel Elliott. I think they almost have to. But I like Arizona in this game in a close one. Jimmy, that wraps it up. And quite an episode, to say the least. There was a lot of yelling on my part and your part. Um, We'll see. I I just hope Adam Gase is fired by the next time I'm on this show. But... (laughs) As unlikely as that was, Jimmy, a pleasure as always being alongside you. Shout out Andrew Gulotta for keeping us on the air here. And once again, from Jimmy Sullivan, I'm Jackson Heil. It's been another edition of NFL Friday. We'll be back next week for Week 7.